Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Broadcasting somewhat almost kind of live and definitely pre-recorded from the heart of Cajun country. This is the Down South IT Podcast. And as always, my name is Clark. And today we're going to run through just a tiny, tiny fraction of the stuff that happened at this year's Consumer Electronics Show. And we'll go through what was announced, some of the highlights, and some stuff that'll be on sale later this year. The show prep on the website is going to be really important for this episode because I'll be linking to all of the stuff that I talk about on today's episode on there. And where can you find that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Head over to DownSouthITPodcast.com, click on the show prep link on the left-hand side, and on the right, you'll find the link for episode 205. So... Check that out, and while you're there, explore the rest of the site. Let me know what you think. I have a lot of stuff on there, all the past episodes on the Embedded Player, links to all the different show pages on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and even now, the podcast is on Spotify. So whatever platform you like to use, you'll be able to find the podcast and be able to check it out at your leisure. You can also find the podcast on Facebook. Just search at IT. And you'll be able to find it there. Just like and follow the page. Let me know you stopped by. And if you have any questions or comments or anything, let me know on Facebook. Or you can email me at downsouthit at gmail.com. So jumping right into it, most tech people, and at least the people I know, look forward every year to the Consumer Electronics Show. And they hold it in, in Vegas every year, usually the first or second week of January. And this is an event for any and all manufacturers so they can announce, display all of their new consumer electronics products. To be honest, the the tech that they show is usually really, really cool, but a lot of stuff that they show is two to three years out of production. So they're just kind of giving you a taste of what's coming. And But they, during that show, they do have a lot of stuff that's going to be on sale later, later this year also. So... The big thing that I and a lot of other technophiles and geeky people that kind of make we make it a point to look at all of the stuff, you know, going on at CES every year, you kind of see where the trend of the market is going to be in the next 18 months or so. So you can get a good idea what the major companies are moving towards based on what they're showing at CES, you know, just kind of where, where their heads are and you'll be able to see what which way they're moving, if they're moving more towards mobile, if they're moving more towards VR, you know, that kind of thing. So you kind of get an idea where most of the industry is going to be heading. So now I know you're wondering, if this happened back in January, why am I just bringing it up now? Well, two reasons, really. One, I already had the first few episode topics for the podcast ready to rock and roll, so I had to get those out of the way. And number two, it takes a bit for some of the tech sites to do their best of lists. That way I can include those in, in the podcast too. So first off, we're going to go ahead and knock out a little bit of history uh, just to kind of give you an idea where CES started and you know where it's come from. So first off, it started way back in 1967. It was originally a twice a year event. So they actually had a winter consumer electronics show in Vegas and they had a summer show in Chicago. Well, over the years, the show in Chicago, mostly in part of declining attendance, but they had a few few times where it was snowed in and they had all kind of other craziness happen, that the attendance dropped so bad that they actually just dropped the summer show and just started doing it once a year. 
And it was back in 98 is when they started doing it once a year, every January in Vegas. Since then, it's become a huge event. It started with just a few dozen companies showing off their products. Might have had maybe 20 to 30,000 attendants. But over the last few years and well, the last decade, really, it's pretty much exploded. This year alone, they had over 4,400 companies with booths at CES and had over 182,000 attendees. And all of that over a three-day weekend. To be honest, though, as big as CES is now, I really don't think you can do, you can walk the whole floor and see everything yourself in three days. It's just getting to be that big. So what kind of stuff did they actually unveil at CES in the past? Well, we'll take a run through history and let's find out. The first CES, they actually, this was way back in 1967. The, the biggest things that they announced were the latest and greatest pocket radios and TVs that had integrated circuits. So that was their big announcement back in 67. And moving on to 1970, Philips uh, unveiled their first ever home VCR. It was the N1500 video cassette recorder. And until that announcement, most VCRs were about $50,000 a piece, and mainly they were used by TV stations. But this model had a built-in TV tuner and was just $900. So way back in 1970, a VCR was the cost of a really, really, really nice HD TV now. Uh, moving on to 1979, the Atari 400 and 800 computers were introduced. Back in 1982, which was a good year for obvious reasons, at least I should say so myself, that was the first appearance of the Commodore 64 computer. So that was the first appearance of the one of the, one of the very first and pioneering home computers that you could buy. Uh, as we go on, let's see, 1993, company Capcom unveils the, the character Mega Man for the first time in North America. Uh, back in 2002, Microsoft demonstrated a preview version of Windows XP Media Center Edition. And if you ever had that operating system, you know how horrible that was. I had it on a computer. I must... I have to confess, and it lasted probably all of two hours before I scrapped it and went to something else. So, anyway, we'll get that will actually come back into play here in a couple of minutes. But uh, back in 2004, Blu ray discs were first introduced at CES, and they started this is what started the HD DVD war between HD DVDs and Blu ray. And of course, you know, over the over the years, Blu-ray won out the the format war, and now we're now we're getting into you know ultraviolet uh, DVDs, which is your ultra high high res formats and stuff like that. But that was the beginning of the first format war for DVDs. Uh, let's see, back in 2005, the main keynote address was by Microsoft Chairman Bill Gates. And his demonstration of Windows Media Center resulted in the blue screen of death 
while he was on stage, and most of the onlookers couldn't help but laugh at him. So, like I said, I knew going in that Media Center was crap, and when they first, when they actually announced the production version, it was still crap. Going forward, I'm, uh, I hope they never ever try to do anything like that again. Also in 2005, Samsung showed off a 102-inch plasma TV. So that is a huge TV. Good God. And coming back into 2008, uh, Bill Gates gave the keynote speech again, three years after his uh, blue screen of death folly, I guess you could call it. And he went on to make the announcement of his retirement from Microsoft. So... They have a lot of different things go on at, at CES every year. And if you want to catch up on the last 10 years, check out the show prep. I have all of the I have everything broke down in there too, so you can check out what happened in the last decade. But now we go get on to the fun stuff. So what made a splash this year? Believe it or not, the biggest thing to come out of CES besides the talk of your new phones, you know, your 5G wireless networks, you know, stuff like that was a burger. And no, I didn't say it wrong. I didn't open up the wrong web page. A meatless hamburger was probably the biggest story to come out of the Consumer Electronics Show this year. It's a high-tech food science product. It has no meat proteins, but it tastes like meat. The company that makes it is named Impossible. Yes, that's their name. They were able to incorporate an iron-carrying molecule called Heme, H-E-M-E, into a vegan product that is given that gives that that product the actual taste of meat. Now, if you know me, I love burgers. I I love my steaks. You know, I I am I mean, I'm definitely a carnivore of this planet. And I'm not sure if I would even try this, to be honest. But they had one account of a vegan attendee at the show that tried it. And it said that it grossed them out just like a normal burger does. So I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but you can kind of take it as you will. Now, granted, this was a strange addition to an electronics show. But food science is a science, technically, and they use a lot of tech in what they do. So um, I guess we'll let it slide and it counts. Now, another highlight this year was the 5G networks and 5G phones. Now, I did mention it a couple of minutes ago, but most of the main players are starting to jump into that 5G market. There was a lot of talk about 5G at the show this year, but there wasn't a whole lot of products that carried 5g on hand this year and most of those were probably waiting to come out at mobile world congress and that that show is kind of like it's kind of like the consumer electronics show of mobile devices and that happens actually it's going on right now as i'm writing and recording this podcast and it's going on in barcelona spain so usually it happens last weekend of february first weekend of march you know, is usually the time frame when that go, comes around. So usually that's when all the a lot of big players announce their new phones and new mobile devices, tablets, you know, that kind of thing. Smartwatches. That that that's usually where those devices are announced. 
So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I may do an episode on Mobile World Congress for this year, too. That depends on how well this episode does. And if everything work, work does well, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. Another major highlight was smart home devices. Alexa made a, Amazon's Alexa made a huge jump this year in a bunch of different devices that you can control with Alexa using just your voice. Now, as far as they can track it, there's over 28,000 different devices that can be controlled by voice commands from Alexa. Amazon even broadened out their product line with over 100 different, 150 different products with Alexa built into it, including TVs, headphones, PCs, toilets, believe it or not, microwaves. They, they have a lot of different things that are coming out. Uh, Google Home didn't skimp either. Uh, they had they didn't have quite as many products this year at the at the show, but what they did was they had a lot of innovations under the hood. They had their new voice assistants uh, with some screens built into them. They did revamp the mobile app. They integrated their voice search in with uh, Google Maps. You can check into a flight using just your voice now with Google Assistant. They actually have an interpreter mode now, which will let two people using two different languages be able to talk to each other just by speaking into a device. And if it's one with a screen on it, it will actually read out what they're saying too. They did a demonstration of it, and it was, it was pretty cool. It was actually a lot faster than I figured it would be. Something like that, if it has to translate, usually it takes a couple of seconds. But, I mean, this was within half a second to a second was done you know and translated which was really really fast for what it was doing google's actually they're trying to get everything on one plane and they're creating a seamless transition between the apps the voice assistants search smart home devices smart home use and just being able to pull that off is pretty much a miracle in itself so and we got one other product too that made a big uh, big impression was LG's Rollaway TV. It's an OLED HD TV. It stores in a box, a little, a little bigger than a sound bar, probably a box, you know, about maybe eight inches square and, you know, about 40 to 50. In, I, I never did get a true dimension on what how big this thing was, but I'm assuming probably about 40 inches wide. And what it does is the top of it slides to the back and the TV actually unrolls and pops up out of the box. And it has Dolby stereo speakers built into the box also. So it has it's a built-in TV and soundbar all in one. And you can actually see it unroll as it comes up. And I mean the thing is really 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 cool. It's not a 4K TV but still. I mean it, it, it to see this thing in action was impressive. They did have another TV that made an appearance. This is actually kind of a second iteration of this TV for Samsung. They had a 184-inch TV that came out last year. And they, and this one is a 219-inch TV. They call it the wall for obvious reasons because it's as big as a friggin' wall. Now, keep in mind, if you don't know how, how wide 219 inches is, that's 18 feet. Almost 20 
feet of screen from corner to corner. And the way it does this, it uses micro LEDs and it actually has the LED panels in modules. They're about a foot by a foot. And you can sit there and configure them any way you want. But if you put them in a giant square like this, you can get a just a giant, giant TV. Now, I'm pretty sure there are billboards that are smaller than this damn TV. But anyway, this is kind of what Samsung is going to be leaning towards later on. They're going to they're going to start using these micro LEDs and these module based LED TVs, I think, is what they're going to start going to next. So don't be surprised if you see stuff like this start happening probably in the next couple of years. I think this is where they're going. Don't hold me to it completely, but I, I just have a, I have a sneaky suspicion that this is where they're heading. So things will be getting really, really interesting in the TV realm in the next couple of years. So just keep an eye out. It will get kind of funky and funky in a good way. So those were kind of the, the big highlights from the Consumer Electronics Show this year. I just wanted to kind of give you all a heads up on what that was. And now I'll actually, I'll turn to CNET and I'll give you the rundown of their top 10 products. And only mainly because I trust their reporting and they had more people at the CES than me because I wasn't there and they got a lot more people on their staff than I do because I have a staff of one. So we'll start off with the best LED TV, uh, best TV, and that's actually going to be the LG OLED R, which is that's the rollable TV I told you about a little while ago. That actually ended up being their best TV on this list. So moving on to the best car tech, it was actually a this was a conglomerate kind of a mashup between Audi and Disney. And it's called the Hollow Ride, which actually what it does is it's a VR experience for your car that uses the car's movement, GPS tracking, and a few other innovations to be able to, you can move and play VR games while in the car and you view the content on VR glasses. So... It, uh, the demonstration on this thing is kind of nuts, to be honest. If you can go back, if you can find it, I'll, I'll, I will link to all of this stuff again on the, the show prep. Click the link on this thing and watch the video on, on this thing in, in action. It's awesome. I mean, it's you definitely don't want to do this while you're driving, okay? But if you have kids in the backseat and they need something to do on a long car ride, this would be perfect. Absolutely perfect. So we move on to the best smart home tech. And this is actually going to be a KitchenAid smart display. And what, what happened was KitchenAid actually partnered with Google to come up with a Google Assistant that is just for the kitchen. And my apologies. I don't speaking of Google, my, uh, my little Google here decided that it wanted to talk. And okay. Hush, honey. Okay. Anyway, we're going to get back. Uh, it's a smart display for your kitchen. And it'll display recipes. You can search. You can do, you know, mo most of the, the normal things that you can do with a Google Home Assistant. But it actually has an integrate. It's integrated with the database on Yumly. So when you pull 
if you're asking for recipes, it's going to have a dedicated place to go search first, which makes the recipe, you know, which the search results are going to be that much faster because it has a dedicated place that it pulls from. But it also has, it'll be able to display those recipes in much a, a much better way to help you cook. It'll show, it'll have videos on there. It, do, it shows you a lot of different stuff and it goes through the entire process and it's laid out for that device. So they, they spent a good bit of time getting this thing working and making sure that it, it will actually help you in the kitchen. And from the demonstrations that I saw on video, it actually, I think would probably be a really good idea. I'm not sure how many recipes they would have, you know, from the South Louisiana uh, neck of the woods. But if you're looking to try something different, then, you know, why not give it a shot? Uh, moving on, the best AI or smart assistant. And uh, CNET actually went ahead and gave this one to Google this year. Even though Amazon probably had more products that they scaled their Alexa into. All of the upgrades, the back-end stuff, the interpreter mode, different uh, different things like that that actually made Google that much more easy to use cross-platform. So I think that's why they gave the smart best assistant this year to Google. Uh, coming up next, we have the best beauty tech, which is uh, Procter & Gamble's Opte Precision Skincare System, which this little thing kind of is weird looking. It looks almost like your dad's old mustache trimmer from the you know from the 80s 90s but what it actually is it's an optical sensor and it's a version of an inkjet printer and what you do is as you move it along your face it'll detect the different skin tones on your face and it'll actually apply the makeup as you go so if something's different it'll apply your makeup to make it all the same so that that was kind of cool uh, to to see, and they they were talking a lot of different things that you could do with that besides just the makeup. You could actually use that same technology to do like temporary tattoos or to cover up tattoos if you're on TV or something like that. There were a lot of different things that you could do with that technology, and it, that that'll probably move in. I don't know if it'll be fairly soon, but I think that'll be something to, to kind of look out for. Next up is going to be the best emerging tech. And that was the Matrix Power Watch 2, which basically this is a brand new, it's an, not a new company, but this company is just starting to get into smartwatches and stuff like that. And this smartwatch actually has EKG capability, GPS, all of that built in. And it uses thermal power, so it'll, it'll actually charge itself on your body heat and solar power. So it uses sunlight and your body heat to charge it and this it's being touted as the next gen fitness watch so you'll be able to do all of your runs and stuff like that using the gps tracking different things but just the way that it's powered that's what's make what makes this that much more your next gen you know it doesn't use the there's so many different ways to, that you can power a watch you know there's regular batteries there's motion there's kinetic energy there's the thermal now there's you know solar there's a bunch of different stuff but this is just go this is the 
the first time I think solar and thermal has been put into one package. So be out on the look for that. The next best health tech is actually it's a this is a smartwatch also, but this uses technology available now. It's out now. Uh, it's called the Omron Heart Guide. And what this is, this is a smartwatch. This is FDA approved. It has, uh, and it's actually a full blood pressure monitor that you wear on your wrist. It's got the, the full cuff and sensors and everything like that built into the band of it. So anytime you can check your blood pressure, it has an app that you can pair to your, to your phone. That way you can monitor your testing over time, stuff like that. That's the big thing with this one. It's actually FDA approved. You can buy it now. If you're having issues with your blood pressure, anything like that, this may be something that you need to look into. Uh, finally, we're going to start getting into best uh, equipment, should I say. Uh, their best PC was actually a laptop, and it's a little bitty bitty laptop. Uh, it's Acer's Swift 7, and this actually has an 8th generation Intel processor. This thing is super, super thin has really really small bezels touch screen the keyboard on it is really really nice and the big draw for this is it's an eight inch laptop and it only weighs 1.9 pounds so this thing is running a full version of windows it has the newest generation of intel processor on it and the thing is tiny 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 so if you're looking for a very portable and powerful laptop, this may be something that you need to look into also. Uh, their best gaming gear, and this is the second second to last one, so we don't have too much more to go. Best gaming gear is going to be the Alienware Area 51M. And basically, this is a gaming lap laptop. It is a huge gaming laptop. The thing weighs almost nine pounds and what it is is it's it's a desktop and laptop form it, it uses a, a laptop base basically but it uses all desktop parts so whenever you're swapping parts or if you have to swap parts or anything like that it's using full power desktop parts for a gaming rig now granted that's not cheap they're about two thousand dollars but if you have if you're a portable if, if you're a gamer and you have to take your stuff on the road this is probably going to be your best option for by far for at least the next eight to ten months now the next next one is going to be the best ar or vr tech and they went with the htc vive pro i and what it is it's a pro level tethered vr headset and the big thing to this is besides the built-in headphones and everything else, the software that it runs on has eye tracking built into it. So not only does moving your head around actually move the scenery like normal VR or AR, but you can move stuff just by moving your eyes. And this is the one of the first commercial head, headsets that will actually be able to do that in real time and that are on that are going to be on the market you know for consumers so as far as ar and vr i think they kind of they they actually i think hit something on the head and that's probably going to be what a lot of people are talking about is going to be your actually your eye motion you know eye tracking 
any kind of software or hardware that does eye tracking is going to be big probably in the next two years. So keep an eye out for that. And just like that, that's their top 10 for the Consumer Electronics Show for this year. Lots of cool stuff that uh, that came through and debuted. And it seems like every year the stuff that comes out for CES gets better. It gets cooler. It gets smaller. gets faster. And I just pretty much gave you just a little bitty tiny sample of the stuff that came out. And if nothing else, I just wanted to kind of give you, you know, just that little bit of that little poke, you know, just to let you know, hey, this stuff goes on. This is where you can find it. And, you know, if nothing else, at least kind of pique your interest in it. And just remember to look out for next year's show. It's going to be in January again. If you happen to be in Vegas in January, go pop in. See if you can see something cool. You never know. I do want to thank all of you for listening today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to spend it with me. Please don't forget to head to the website at DownSouthITPodcast.com and go to the show prep area. Get the links to everything that I talked about today, including the full top 10 list from CNET. That way you can see all of the pictures, read up on all the items, and you can check all of that out when you have some free time. While you're there, you can always catch up on past episodes of the podcast right there on the website. It's on the podcast page. I have the link to all the show pages on all the different platforms that the pod's on. SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, now on Spotify also. Play around on the site. Let me know what you think. Uh, Also, go check out the Facebook page at DownSouthIT. Always posting good articles and funny stuff on there. If I see anything that's worth sharing as far as different, uh, I share all kind of stuff on there. So uh, there's no rhyme, no reason, no craziness. Well, there is craziness. I, I can't say no craziness, but there, there's usually a, a tad bit of craziness on the Facebook page. So if you haven't gone over there, check it out. Give me a like and a follow if you haven't already. And as I always like to end every episode of the podcast, paraphrasing Albert Hubbard, Technology can replace the work of many people, but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you again for listening. I'll see you next time on the Down South IT Podcast. Later. Later.